If you would, remain standing for the reading of God's Word and turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, I will begin reading in verse 1. We are still in the Sermon on the Mount, and we are discussing today the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter. Matthew 6, verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Praise God for his holy word. Please be seated. So over and over again throughout this sermon, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is showing his children how they are to live. And in this fallen world, you and I, we often succeed in pleasing ourselves and seeking to please others, but many times we fail to think about the Lord and what pleases Him. Matthew 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The pure in heart are those who are in Christ, but holy lives are not lived when we are not pursuing the Lord. The pure in heart, they are those who have an inward, sincere faith faith and love for God, a moral uprightness, a cleansing has occurred in those who are pure in heart. They mourn the impurity of their hearts when it comes to their imperfect living, but when it comes to their justification and standing before the Lord, they are single-minded, they are no longer divided, they have their hearts set on nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ and His righteousness. J.C. Ryle used these words describing the pure in heart. He means those who do not aim merely at outward correctness, but at inward holiness. They are not satisfied with a mere external show of religion. They strive to have always a conscience void of offense and to serve God with the spirit and the inner man. In this sermon, Jesus has been clearing the air, removing the filth, so to speak, with his disciples. Like us, they had heard many things, and he was correcting what they had heard with his own words. If there's anything that we need in this world, it's, it's to get corrected by the Lord, hearing his word. Jesus was bringing clarity to anger, to murder, lust, adultery, Marriage, divorce, oaths, retaliation, loving your enemy, praying for those who persecute you. You see, our outward appearances, they don't fool the Lord. He is all-knowing. He is providentially ruling over all things. And when it comes to humanity, those made in His image, He is not looking at our outward appearance. He is looking at our hearts. Proverbs 21, verse 2. Every man, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord, he weighs the heart. 
Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind and and give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. For the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Romans 3, verse 23, you know it. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have fallen short, this is true, and the Lord knows our heart, and that's why he can say that. Looking back a chapter, look back with me at Matthew 5, verse 20. Jesus said, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Today's verses are an expansion, a continuation of those words. Appearances are visible to the world. They may look correct, but the Lord knows if we are pleasing Him. He knows our hearts. The heart behind what we do The heart behind what we do each and every day. The why. It is so very important. So I'll divide our four verses into two points of wisdom for us today. Wisdom point number one. Be diligent. Be diligent in not living for the praise of men. Be diligent in not living for the praise of men. Wisdom point number two. Be intentional in pleasing the Lord from the heart. Be intentional in pleasing the Lord from the heart. Look at Matthew 6, beginning in verse 1. Be diligent, not living for the praise of men. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So the Son of God instructs His disciples here to beware, to pay attention, to take heed of practicing their righteousness before others. He is teaching them to not do charitable deeds for the purpose of being seen by others. If you watch many videos, I'm reminded of a video in which um, the wife thinks the husband is not doing anything at all in the house. And so the, the husband is prepared, he has cleaned the dishes, he has, he has loaded the dishwasher, and he waits until that exact moment in which the wife walks in and he presses the button on the dishwasher and he stands back and just kind of shows, this is, this is what I've done. And we think as Christians, there is no way that we would live this way. And yet so often we do. We want others to give us the praise. We want others to look at us. Look at what we've done. And now the Son of God is is teaching His disciples on the side of the mountain. And as they are listening to Him, He says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Beware. Pay attention. He's teaching them 
to not do charitable deeds for the purpose of being seen by others. Now, we've already discussed Matthew 5, verse 16. This is not a contradiction to something that Jesus has already said. If you look back at Matthew 5, verse 16, Jesus said, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Our actions, they do not tell the entire story. Our heart tells the complete story, and our heart cannot keep secrets from the Lord. The Lord knows our hearts. He knows the why of what we do. He knows our inner motives in which nobody else knows. The world, the church, might see someone who is extremely generous. They might see someone who is loving, who is caring, who is moral. But what does the Lord see? This is the great question. What does the Lord see? This is the most important question that we can ask because from this single question comes more question, questions that lead to our hearts. What does the Lord see leads to, why am I doing these good deeds? Who am I really trying to please? If we are serving for the purpose of being seen by others, if we are doing good deeds for the applause of men, for our personal reputation, the Lord sees sin. That's what the Lord sees. Beware of pressing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. It is so easy for us to do what is right for all the wrong reasons. Behavior modification, that is not just something that parents settle for with their children. It is also something that any child, teenager, or adult can cling to and accept in their own life. I have done this, look at me. I, I, I'm doing what is right. Yes, what's the purpose behind it? And any action or habit can be done with the appearance of righteousness, but actually be sin before the Lord. We can faithfully give of our time, our money, our resources, and not once please God, but actually be sinning against the Lord in doing those things. We can tithe, we can teach God's word, and we can fail to honor the Lord. Now, we could be in the shadows, taking out the trash, running sound in the back sanctuary. We could be in the spotlight singing or preaching God's Word, and we can fail to worship the Lord. Our minds need daily renewal. We need to hear the words, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. 1 Corinthians 13. I quoted this passage a few weeks back. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. So in reality, it's not that we can be noisy and annoying if we don't love to other people. We can be noisy and annoying if we're not loving the Lord. 
The Lord knows our hearts all the time. Our words can flatter. Our knowledge can impress. Our works can can wow an audience. But the Lord knows our hearts. He knows if it is of Him and He knows if it is for Him. Fast forward many chapters to Matthew 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee. You know, the longer I, I walk this life, this path of faith looking to Jesus, the more and more I read about the words that Jesus said to the scribes and the Pharisees, and I think about my own hypocrisy, not that of others. He said, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, and the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you're like whitewashed tombs, which hourly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. So the outside, what others see, it may appear clean. We might appear beautiful, but inside, inward, within our hearts, we could be full of greed and self-indulgence. We might be dead and full of all uncleanness. Matthew 6 Verse 2, thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Now the Lord provides us with an example of our works, giving. When we give to the needy, sound no trumpet. Translation, don't draw the attention of others to what you yourself are doing. This seems obvious, right? I mean, who would claim to be a Christian and draw attention to themselves so they can be praised by others? We would never do that, would we? Don't sound the trumpet when you give to the needy. Don't don't cause a spectacle. Don't toot a horn for all to hear and for all to look at you. Hypocrites give to be seen by others. Hypocrite, an actor, a pretender. They're an individual who plays the part, and they play the part extremely well. They know the motions, but it's just a performance for the onlookers because God knows their heart. Hypocrites give for the praise and applause of men. It's an external show of religion. It's an outward correctness without inward holiness. Now many hypocrites struggle when they are not in the spotlight, just like the scribes and the Pharisees. When Jesus showed up, his teaching, his wisdom, his works, the crowds were amazed and the spotlight shifted, leaving the fan club of the scribes and the Pharisees much smaller than it would, which eventually led to them killing Christ. I remember as a child collecting baseball cards with my dad. About once a week, we would go to the gas station and we would get a pack of cards, and that's when they were like 39 cents, and you got a pack of baseball cards, and on top of that was a stick of gum. We would open them up, 
We would look through the cards. We would chew the gum. And I remember admiring some of the players. And so I decided I'm going to do something about it. And somehow, I don't know if the internet wasn't around then, I found, found their addresses and I wrote letters to them asking for their autograph. And I sent them a baseball card in which I had had, had. And I started getting these letters back and many of them responded very differently. One of them I was particularly excited about. I was like, yes, I'm, I'm ready to open this one. And I opened it up. And not only was there no autograph, he had given me a letter that someone else had, had wrote asking me to join his fan club for $35 a year. So this player loved the fame and the money, and needless to say, all of his baseball cards were removed from my collection, and they became noisemakers on the spokes of my bicycle. Now, to be fair, this baseball player never claimed to be a role model, but as a child of God, we are to be diligent in not living for the praise and wealth of men. Temper Logman III said, to trade the goal of pleasing the Father for the trivial and idolatrous goal of pleasing man will never, ever do. We are not to do things in order to be seen by others. We don't sound the trumpet when we do something. We don't use a spotlight for our own reputation, for our own personal fan club. If we do, that is our reward. Beware of pressing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. In Scripture, we are told that there are people who barely enter heaven, but they enter. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets. They may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So if your display of righteousness is for the purpose of being seen, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. If you give to the needy to be seen by others, this is your only reward, that other people see you. Jonathan Edwards said, Hypocrites will never get anything by their religion, but only what they get in this world. Can you imagine getting to the end of your life and how you've lived? Yes, I love the Lord, I love the Lord, and you had nothing but the world. They had forfeited their soul for something that would not last. The conclusion is this, God knows our hearts. If you do things to the praise and applause of men, that's all you get and nothing else. If the applause of men is our end goal, there is no reward from God. This does not mean that God will not ultimately be glorified. Because even in our evil, God will bring praise to himself. For what we mean for evil, God can mean for good. Genesis 50 verse 20. No reward means we were not living to the praise of God's glory. In other words, as John Piper would said. You were wasting your life. If applause is our goal, we are failing to fulfill our chief purpose and settling for sin, the very thing in which we are promoting in Christ, Christ came to die for. And you're cherishing it. And you're holding on to it. You said, Lord, I'm not going to live for your glory. It's all about me. 
As God's children, we are to be diligent and not living for the praise of men. Well, what does that look like? What does it mean to be diligent to not live for the praise of men? That means you're being diligent to take care of your own heart by meeting with the Lord. Being diligent to pray. Being diligent to abide in the Word of God. Being diligent and having that relationship. That which you say, if you belong to Christ, Christ is your most important relationship. Therefore, you spend time with Him. If the desire in our hearts is just recognition, Jesus Christ is not your treasure. You are. Truth too, be intentional in pleasing the Lord from the heart. Be intentional in pleasing the Lord from the heart. Look at Matthew 6, verse 3. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus began using six, you have heard, but I say to you statements. But here in Matthew 6, Jesus begins using the following words. In order to be seen by them, that they may be praised by others, that they may be seen by others, in Matthew 6, Jesus assumes that his disciples will do three things, providing three examples, giving, praying, and fasting. He assumes that his children will do those three things. Matthew 6, 1-4 is giving. Matthew 6, 5-15 is praying. And Matthew 6, 16-18 is fasting. So as Jesus teaches on these three areas, he addresses the audience and then he speaks to their rewards based upon their audience. In giving, he says, if you give to be seen by others, this is your reward. If you give in secret for the Lord, your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Praying. If you pray to be seen by others, that is your reward. If you pray in secret to the Lord, your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Are, are you seeing a trend here? Fasting. If you fast to be seen in others, that's your reward. That's it. If you fast for the Lord, the Father who sees in secret will reward you. So if our audience is men and women, guess what your reward is? The audience. That's it. If you give for men to notice you, congratulations, your reward ends right there. If you pray for the purpose of others noticing, you, that's your reward. That's all you get. If you fast so that others will notice, that's the end game. The reward of a hypocrite is short-lived. Once you're done doing what you were doing, that's it. If our audience is God, he will reward us. If you give in secret to please God, he will reward you. If you pray in secret to the Lord, he will reward you. If you fast for the Lord, the Lord will reward you. And the reward, rewards of those who are seeking to please the Lord from their hearts, those rewards, they never end and they never fade. We are to be intentional in pleasing the Lord from the heart. Our concern as God's children is to be that of pleasing the Lord. You know, the end of self-righteousness is death. While the result of exalting Christ is a never-ending eternal reward. Why do we give? 
Why don't we pray? Why don't we fast? Not to be so simplistic, but we give for the glory of God. We, we pray for the glory of God. We fast for the glory of God. Our verses this week provide the example of giving that God expects his children to give. The words of J.C. Ryle are beautifully blunt. Let us observe that our Lord takes it for granted that all who call themselves his disciples will give alms. He assumes as a matter of course that they will think it a solemn duty to give according to their means to relieve the wants of others. The only point he handles is the manner in which the duty should be done. This is a weighty lesson. It condemns the selfish stinginess, stinginess, my bad, the selfish stinginess of many in the matter of giving money. How many are rich toward themselves but poor towards God? How many never give a penny to do good to the bodies and souls of men? And have such people any right to be called Christians? in their present state of mind. It may well be doubted. A giving Savior should have giving disciples. We should give, but not telling others about it, not even telling ourselves, having a heart resting in Christ that is set on pleasing Christ above all things. That we walk away from a situation, a person, a conversation in which we gave for the glory of God and we don't remember it because it's not about us. We give in secret, extending our right hand and not telling our left hand what we're doing. We give to please God. We do not give for reward. Because the great reward is Christ. The reward in secret is not something that fades because it's Christ. If we are not intentional in pleasing the Lord from our hearts, we will live our lives in the city of Vanity Fair. In Pilgrim's Progress, Christian comes across a town in which people are living for the moment. Their best life according to men and women, not the Lord. The city of Vanity Fair. Our best life now is only lived when we are lived for the Lord, living according to His holy word. How vain it is to give and to pray and to fast for our reputation and our recognition. Pleasing the Lord, inward holiness, the glory of God, that is to be our life in every season at all times. John MacArthur said, the greatest reward a believer can have is the knowledge that he has pleased the Lord. I know I've said this once before, but when I get down from the pulpit, that's my question to myself. Lord, did I please you? In my marriage, Lord, am I pleasing you? As a father, am I pleasing you? As a pastor, am I pleasing you? Our motive for looking forward to his rewards should be the anticipation of casting them as an offering at his feet even as the 24 elders one day will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy art thou, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. It's all about the Lord. 
The love for God and the love for our neighbor only happens when our hearts are set on pleasing the Lord according to His will. According to His Word. Do you love the glory of men more than the glory of God? It's a wonderful question. John 12, verse 43, they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. So what are the motives for what you do? For those who have served this morning, have you served for the recognition of others? Are you serving for the glory of God? Are you sinning by settling for the fading recognition of men and women? Are you failing to worship the Lord by seeking temporary fame? John 5, verse 44, How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes down from the only God? If praise from men is what you seek, not caring about pleasing the Lord, you don't belong to the Lord. Turn from your sins and repent. Turn towards Christ. Call on Christ to save you. Longman III said, the way to avoid hypocrisy is not to cease giving, but to do so with such secrecy that we scarcely know that we have given. Jesus' disciples must themselves be so given to God that their giving is promoted by obeying God and having compassion on others. Then their Father who sees what is done in secret will reward them. You know, we must be asking ourselves the question, why am I doing what I am doing? What is my motive behind this? 2 Corinthians, verse 8. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Do you see the connection? When we give ourselves first over to the Lord, our right hand will not know what our left hand is doing because we're giving for the glory of God. It's not about us. It's not about our reputation. It's not about the audience because this audience is not what we're thinking about. We're thinking about this audience, the Lord. Christians, we are to give ourselves to God. We are to be consumed with Christ. Christ is to be our treasure. If you were thinking about any reward, the reward as a Christian is that of Christ. He is our reward. He is what we are to look for. He is what we sing about when we come in here. We don't sing about earthly treasures. We don't, we don't sing about all the possessions. In fact, we just actually sing the opposite. Our treasure is not in what we own. Like We are singing about everything that we have in Christ. We are being reminded of who we once were outside of Christ. And we're thinking about the joy of who we belong to and the promises that He has made in bringing us home. We are to give sacrificially from a heart that is set on pleasing the Lord. 
Giving is part of the Christian life. It was expected. Is your giving directed towards the Lord? Is that the why of your giving? Because it pleases the Lord. Because when Christ is your greatest treasure, when He is ultimately what you are thinking about, what you are resting in, why you are living, when Christ is your greatest treasure, you will find that your life and your works are pleasing Him. Like If you try to change up this mathematical formula, you say, well, I'll do this and hopefully it'll lead to pleasing the Lord. You've missed it. Like When you're pleasing the Lord and you're set on, Lord, I want to glorify you with all of my life. I want to please you with how I live in every aspect. I want to keep your commands. I want to know your commands. I want to meditate on your commands. I want to delight in your commands and just rest in all of that. When we are focused on Christ, our left hand will not know what our right hand is doing. Because we were not holding tightly to the things of this world right here. We're holding tightly to Christ and we're not worried about the things of this world. And many of us, we need this wake-up call. I needed this wake-up call this week just be reminded what am I thinking about the most? What am I praying about the most? What am I consuming with in my thoughts? What am I scrolling through? How much time am I wasting on earthly treasures that will not last versus there is never a moment when I'm thinking about Christ in which I have wasted? That Christ is my greatest treasure. If we want to be saints who are living for the Lord, saints who are faithfully giving of our time, our money, our possessions, our things which already belongs to the Lord, we've got to focus on our relationship with Christ. We've got to think about why we do what we do. And I, there's no better way than to have a transformed mind thinking upon Christ getting in His Word, doing what Christ has called us to do, not for justification, but for the purpose of pleasing the Lord in our everyday life. So where are you, saint, this morning? Have you been living for the things of this world? Have you been living for the Lord? Have you been keeping the commands of God? Or have you been building your own commands and your own kingdom? Have you been wasting so much time on things that don't really matter? Maybe your first step when you leave here this morning is to just get alone with the Lord. Have some intimacy with Christ. Have some simplicity, some silence, some solitude, and some surrender with Jesus. To meet with Him and have a relationship, to come before the Lord, get on your knees and repent and to turn from your sins and remind your heart and your mind once again that Christ is all that you need. For we are here not to do our will. Our chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And I think this is the aspect that we often miss as individuals who mostly claim to be reformed. We've got, we glorify God and we're so quick to use those words and to say those words. But in glorifying God, do we forget that there is so much enjoyment 
and pleasing the Lord. There is so much joy in knowing that we are not wasting our lives. There is so much joy in realizing that if our life is but a vapor and we're here one second and we're completely gone the next, to know that if this day is actually our last, what joy and comfort and security it is to know that I please God today. That I pleased Him with how I lived and how I thought. I pleased Him with my actions and my attitude. That I pleased Him to make much of Him and to not think about my own reputation, my own character. But it's all about Christ. Father, I thank You for Your Holy Word. Lord, how foolish of us to to hear and, and to think about these words that were used and, and how our mind so quickly shifts to that of other people. We're so quick to think, Lord, yeah, that's, that's how the scribes and the Pharisees lived. That's exactly how they did. They lived to be seen by others, to get the applause of others, Lord. But it, it was meant for us to probe our own hearts and to say, Lord, forgive us where we have failed you. Lord, forgive us when we have made so much of our life about pleasing other people and not even asking the question, Lord, am I fearing you? So we praise your name that there is forgiveness found in Christ. Lord, for those who are lost right now, would you draw them to yourself and save them and realize, Lord, that this life is to be about you. Convict them of their sin and draw them to you. And Lord, for those of us who are Christians, who we continue to struggle and we, and we fade and we continue to grab hold of the things of this world, Lord, help us to let go of those things by your grace, by your spirit, and to be drawn to fully grasping you and not living for the things of the flesh and the world, but living for your name, for your glory, and being consumed with how you are all satisfying and finding all joy in knowing that we are yours and joy in living for you. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word being sharper than a two-edged sword. It, It cuts and it divides, it opens, it reveals our hearts. Lord, praise God for what you've done this morning. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.